Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Iron Fighters? Yeah, how's that one? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Astanis? What the fuckers? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for uh, for dumping me into your head this morning or this afternoon or this evening or whenever it is. Have a nice flight. Have a nice run. Have a nice drive. Clean up that house. Do what you got to do. And if I can help you in any way, I will be right here in your ears. That's it. That's how it's going to go today. If you're in Victoria, in Esquimalt, I'll be at the Blue Ridge Comedy Festival tomorrow. Friday the 17th and Saturday the 18th. Never been there. Hope it's nice. Looking forward to it. Today on the show, David Keckner. Uh, wow, David Keckner. If you don't know David Keckner, I should maybe reel off some things. He was an anchor man. He's been in everything. He's one of those guys. He's one of those character actors. He's been on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's been on, he was in the Dukes of Hazard, Talladega Nights. He was in that. Uh, he was on oh, the Naked Trucker and T-Bone show. Did not succeed on television, but that live show, that character was fucking nuts. Keckner will be here shortly. What have I been doing? What have I been doing, you ask? Well, I was in Salt Lake City. Haven't talked about that to you. This is a city that I've gotten much more comfortable in. I used to be scared. I used to be frightened of the uh, the Mormon contingent until I realized, hey, there's a lot of lapsed Mormons. There's a lot of cool Mormons. There, there's a lot of pleasant people there. You know, why be freaked out? It's a weird city, but weird can be good. And quite honestly, there's a place in Salt Lake City called Bruges, I think it's pronounced. It's just all they sell is Belgian waffles. And I think the guy must come from Belgium. I went there. I had a sandwich. This was a cheat day. Now, obviously, the cheat day has lasted well into yesterday and today because I'm fucking the backlash of dieting is ridiculous. It's ridiculous to diet because all that denying yourself shit just leads to an avalanche of I'm going to put food in my face. It's not good for me in any way. Whatever. But this waffle place, holy shit. I don't know what they do. They're like magic waffles. They're magic waffles. All the people in, in, in Salt Lake City are wandering around, many of them wearing magic underwear, and I don't know if they all realize that they have magic waffles right there. I'd never tasted anything like it. It wasn't just a waffle. It was a Belgian waffle, and it was like crisp on the outside and soft on the inside, and I put ice, I had ice cream on it, and that was following this weird sandwich I ate with, uh, with lamb sausage and French fries on the sandwich. That was crazy. I had a nap. I mean, I literally ate a sandwich with lamb sausage french fries some sort of sauce then i had the waffle with ice cream went back to my hotel room laid on my bed and could not feel my hands that's how that went now if i could discuss the shows in salt lake city very odd i did two shows and i i, I think i've I had an experience that i've never had before on stage and i think it's worthy of some discussion i i th- i think i may have facilitated a divorce but i doubt it i've never really had this experience and they were lovely audiences you know great people came out nice people you you get the feeling that they're the people that come out you know to see me like i got the feeling that there's definitely people in um in you in salt lake that are sort of like thank god you're here we're you know we're surrounded you know there's that vibe you know we're surrounded i'm just glad we can all meet in one place and that there's others like me but uh so i i i get on stage i'm brought up by the guy spencer funny guy he brings me up 
and I literally set foot on stage. I had not even grabbed hold of the mic in the stand, and a guy sitting up front with a woman and another couple, the guy says, hey, you were funny on TV last night. And I'm like, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Louie, Louie. And I know that tone. That is drunk guy tone. So I'm like, all right. I haven't even you know, opened my mouth yet to do any material at all. And this guy is in it. He's like, yeah, that was funny. You were funny. And I'm like, okay, well, I appreciate that. Are we going to keep talking? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it was good. And he's not the kind of drunk guy. Yeah, there's two. There's a couple kind of drunks. There's guys that are just like assholes. Like, you suck. Fuck you. And then there's this other kind of drunk that sort of everything they say is just some version of I'm sorry, but I can't control myself. Uh, It's a self-pitying drunk. And this guy was one of those. I'm like, so are we going to talk? He's like, yeah, I shouldn't be. Well, you know, I'm glad you'll go ahead. Go ahead. And everything should just end with, I'm an idiot. I can't stop my mouth. I'm an, like right now I should just be saying I'm, I'm drunk. I'm an asshole. I can't control myself. There's nothing worse than that kind of drunk because you really have no, there's nothing, you can't shit on them because you literally, I could go, you know, you're, you're drunk and, and it's like, I know, I know, I'm drunk again. You know, it's like, well, you're fucking up my show. I'm an asshole. And I'm like, oh my God. And his wife, or that well, it turned out to be his wife, I found out later, was literally like talking to him, you know, trying to shut him up. And, and he's, uh, he's like, she wants me to stop. I got to stop. She wants me to shut up, you know. And then he just kept talking. And, and she eventually just gets up and leaves. So he's sitting there by himself. And, and there, I believe, with this other couple. And I'm like, well, and I start doing my act. And uh, you know, I keep looking at him because I'm waiting for him to step in. And he's saying like, yup, yup, you know, that kind of shit. And I'm trying to deal with it because he's friendly enough. But then at some point I do a joke and he's just like, that wasn't, that, that, one did, that, wasn't, that wasn't good. That didn't, that doesn't work. That didn't work. And this has been 10 minutes of this stuff, you know, and I had been, you know, you want to do a good show. You don't want to be completely distracted. But he's like, no, that's not funny, basically is what he said. So I just very honestly, I looked at him. I said, you have to go. You, you, you have to go now. And he, and he, without missing a beat, he goes, I know, I know. And I'm like, well, are you going to go? He goes, yep. Yeah, I'm going to go. And I'm like, okay, well, then, then go. And he goes, turn the other way. Just turn the other, I'll go if you look the other way. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, just don't look at me. Turn the other way. So I <laughs> accommodated this guy. Now, you realize his, his wife had left, you know, 10 minutes before. So I turned the other way, and then he leaves. And I just stood there. I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. How, how weird is this? And I do my show for a little while. And then his wife comes back in. And I see her sit down. And then the woman she's sitting next to looks at me. And I'm like, what's up? And they're sitting right up front. And she goes, she left him. I'm like, what do you, what do you, she left him? Where did she leave him? He's probably in the parking lot wandering around, angry. And, and she's like, nope, this is it. She left him. And I know in my mind, I've been in this situation before. I've seen this situation before. Whatever was happening there, it happened dozens of times. Just, I looked at her. I said, yeah, he's, he's got a drinking problem. And she goes, I know. And I'm like, well, he should go to a meeting. And then she says, yeah, we, I've tried that. 
So now it's like, it's not really a comedy show. It's some sort of hands-on, yeah, I've got to balance this because I still have to do comedy and the audience, I mean, it's very exciting when something real happens, but it was a little, a little gnarly. And I'm like, so that's it? Yeah, well, I mean, what, you got kids? And she's like, two. And it's like, oh my God, how am I going to transition to comedy here? So I start doing comedy. I start talking about drugs a little bit. I start relating to her and she's like laughing, but I could tell she was about to cry and it was upsetting. But you know, the whole show was very intricate. And, and I looked at her, I said, you know, you know what's going to happen, right? You're going to walk out there and he's going to be out there in the parking lot with the, with the sad face on going, oh, I'm sorry, I did it again. Oh, I'm an idiot. Oh, I'm sorry, I'll stop. And she's like, exactly. I'm like, well, you've got quite a night ahead of you with whatever the hell this you've unleashed here. And uh, so that, that was that. You know, I made her laugh and everything was cool. And after the show, you know, I was, you know, selling T-shirts and things. And, and she walked up to me. She waited to walk up to me. And she goes, can I hug you? And I'm like, yeah. And I give her a hug. And I'm like, you're all right? And I'm like, and she's like, yeah, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. With just that exasperated face of like, I've gone through this all the time. I felt bad. I don't know what happened. I don't know where they're at, but uh, but I wish them the best. But I'll tell you, nothing nothing worse than a loud, self-pitying drunk because you can do nothing with them. You're an asshole. I know. It's it's I'm an asshole. I can't stop talking. So what do you know about cats? Because mine has a has stopped meowing. I know nothing. <laughs> like he's got there's something wrong with his meow. Then the short answer would be it's dead. No, he's. I saw him this morning. He's not dead, but he's going. <laughs> I'm trying. It not sounds to, panic. to me like he is trying to do some beatboxing. Does he want to be in show business? Your yeah, I think that. Well, he hasn't told me that, but you know, when people hang around as long as he has, you yeah. start to wonder what this is about. Is it that you just want food, or do you want to fucking break? Because I, he's been on the podcast twice. Has he? Yeah, he's looking for a way in. Yeah, well, he, I've given him plenty of opportunities, but he always he chickens out at the last minute. Right, fear of uh, success. Well, that, that we share. Yes. Yeah. Now, it's, the hardest thing for me is not to see his loss of voice as some sort of strange cosmic sign of what's to come for me. Does it mean that I will lose my voice? That the one thing that I have? No. Thank you. So I think the first time I saw you, honestly, was uh, I, I just vaguely remember you kind of like barreling into Luna Lounge, sweaty i think you just started doing snl and i said who the fuck's that guy and someone said he's the guy new guy on snl and i'm like there's a new guy on snl where did he come from where do they make these people i was it's interesting because i was thinking the same thing to myself when was the first time we met and it was at loon i was trying to remember i knew it started with an l mm -hmm. uh in manhattan mm -hmm. is it in the east village that's no. right ludlow street okay and then uh i do remember this uh, you were drinking a Diet Coke and I think wearing red uh, Levi's. Okay, red Levi's? I yes, mean, that might be... I think so. Uh, I, maybe a rust-colored Levi? Perhaps. Yeah, maybe a brownish rust color. Yes. I remember there was a pair of those that the I was very earth, into. Earth-tone Levi's. Sure, sure, that's uh, possible. And that would be the first time we met. Was I sweating? Did I seem like I was on Coke? <laughs> you did not seem like you are on Coke because you were drinking Diet Coke. And I think so you, maybe that was a sober time yeah, for me. I think so. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I was probably sweating because this would have been still the summertime in New York. And I'd just gotten hired, so we were checking out the alt scene there in New York. I went with Mark McKinney. We'd both just gotten hired. And we wanted to check out 
whatever right. venues were there. Right. I, did I? I don't think I went up. Did I, I don't think you did. I no. think you just came and, and you yeah. sort of hung around. Then you left. Yeah. And of course, I probably said like, "Where the fuck did that guy come from?" I mean, he's on SNL. I mean, like, because at right. that time, I always thought like, "What?" I I should know everybody of who's uh, who's up for this. They didn't call me about this Keckner fella. Right. I didn't get. Up. I didn't approve that. <laughs> but I thought you were originally. I thought you were part of that. Uh, that Ohio, the uh, the Iowa crew. With, oh, uh, the Higgins. The Higgins and uh, Toby Huss. Higgins, and, uh, Boys, and Gruber, yeah. But you're not. You, no. You come from another part of the country. Chicago. That, right, and then before that? Missouri. What the hell's going on I there? I know. Tell, tell me. I mean, you're like a, you're like a shit kicker guy. Uh, yeah, but I always uh, battled against that. I was very aware early on that uh, there was something else for me. Um, like what? What is it? What is it like in Missouri? Like all I picture is Dorothea Lange photographs, and you know, like uh, people leaving uh, the depression. People you know, leaving is what, very what? good. Uh, <laughs> Thomas know. Hart Benton. Uh, here is well. It's very. It's very rural. Uh, it is. It is a a, a blue state. Uh, it's determinedly. It's stubborn. Here's the thing about Missouri. It's called the Show Me State. Right. Yeah. Which first of all, it's a means, blue state. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. No, no. I'm sorry. Red. red. I'm yeah. sorry. I was going to say. What, where? Which Cons- map are you looking it's, at? It's conservative. Like there's this way. Surprise! Missouri is a blue state. That would be something wonderful. was released into the air and everyone thought properly. Yeah. Yeah. It. So it was. It was highly conservative. They're uh, pretty. Pretty narrow-minded. Mm-hmm. I'm from a very small town. What does uh, that mean? Did you shit in the house? <laughs> Yes, we shat in the house. Because when people say rural, and I think Missouri, I, there's right. still an outside chance that you're like, I'm going out back. My dad did. My he, dad had an outhouse, and so did. did my mom. My, my parents grew up of hum, in humble means. Of course, they grew up during the Depression. Right, Dorothea Lang pictures. There you go. Yeah. And and so my father, the thing they would say, stuff like the weekly wiper about the, the, the uh, newspaper. Yeah. It took me a long time to understand them. And oh, that was toilet paper. No, you, oh, yeah, yeah. So come on. Oh yeah, that's how poor people were. I mean, the weekly wiper. The weekly wiper. I thought they had some version of like a, a kind of like a makeshift bidet situation <laughs> where they just had a pitcher of water and just smashed their their no, bits because it would freeze during the winter. Oh, you. So I mean, you were you had to go shit and piss in an outhouse. Well, I guess the question is, did they read the paper? That is. A good, a question. good question. Yeah, okay. Uh, they were literate. They so, weren't. They weren't. But like on my mother's side of the family, very religious. Eleven. Eleven kids in my mother's family. What religion? Uh, Catholic. Mm. Uh, eleven kids in that family. She was the youngest, but the oldest four were in the religious. The oldest four were priests and nuns. Irish. Yeah. Mm. Irish Catholic. Uh, my father's side of the family, all farmers. Uh, what they farm? Everything: corn, soybeans, wheat. So your dad had a sense of soil. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he uh, was a manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, he moved when he moved to town. I mean, they so they lived outside of town. Yeah. What was town? Town was Tipton, and at the time, I, my God, I don't know, a thousand. The people. Tipton. Well, there are there are like eight Tiptons. <laughs> yeah. There's a Tipton, Iowa, Tipton, Kansas, Tipton, Nebraska, Tipton, Georgia. I think. No, I'm definitely thinking of the Tipton, Missouri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, the that's, one. That's the one that everybody. That's the one I'm from. <laughs> Uh, I drove through. I I did some shows in Indiana. Uh-huh. And I had to drive from South Bend down to another place. Yeah, and I had to go through Tipton, Indiana. So I had to stop somewhere and say, "Hey," yeah. and they couldn't have cared less. You you had to say, "Hey, I'm from Tipton, I'm from Missouri." Tipton, Missouri. What like, do you? Uh huh. Yeah. And they're they're like, who's the weird guy? Uh, really weirdo. Uh, yeah. Go on, Hayseed. So wait, so yeah. what like how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, five. There's six of us. There's six of you, yeah. and you know them all. Oh yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> know them like um no i mean like you guys talk and stuff i'm oh, always sure. curious about that yeah sure, sure. i knew that i was uh, very different from them it's really? interesting oh yeah always how old who's what what where are i'm you the in? third i'm okay. the third my brother mark is uh, my myself and my brother and my sister came in quick succession yeah we're all a year apart and then there was a couple years then my other my next two sisters then my, my youngest brother's nine years younger than i am but uh i always knew i was different uh you don't want to say black sheep but I just thought differently. I like I knew I had to get out of town. Mm -hmm. I knew there was something else going on. I knew I had a different desire. They pretty much stayed home and would still be there if it was a little bit larger. My brother took over my father's business. My three sisters live in Kansas City, which is an hour and a half from That's Tipton. bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then my brother Joe bought a pharmacy, two pharmacies in a town the size of Tipton in Kansas. So he's a drug dealer? Yes. And, <laughs> very much so. And all right, so wait, what's uh, what what business was your what, what was your my, dad's racket? He was a manufacturer of livestock transportation vehicles for turkeys. That's pretty specific. Right. Well, I had to be specific because if I, if I say turkey coops, people think he made pens for turkeys in people's backyards. Which is, that's a, that's, that's a, a layman's job. Yes. What your dad did was something He bigger. made livestock trailers. For turkeys. That's so the, that's when you're the best driving way. down the highway in the middle of the country and your your car is being pelted with feathers and bird shit. Yes. And you're like, holy fuck, what is that filled with? It's turkeys. And where did it come from? Keckner Manufacturing in Tipton, Missouri. <laughs> there were only two manufacturing plants for turkeys, uh, for turkey coops. One was in Tipton, one was in Nacogdoches, Texas. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that you know, once or twice, maybe even four times a year, your dad came home with a fresh fucking turkey. No. Never. We didn't raise birds. No, but he people but, didn't give us birds. What do you mean they didn't give you birds? What kind of ungrateful? We sold the because these coops would be purchased by the large corporations that farmed out birds being raised all over the country, like like uh, Lewis Rich, for instance, or used to be Ralston Perina. Okay, purveyors of they're of not these like animals. Tom's Turkey Place, but yeah, but they what they'll do is they'll hire farmers to to raise the birds, then they have to go pick them up and take them to the one central processing plant. Right, so it had nothing to do with the farmer. It had Correct. everything to do with the processing plant. Correct. So you never had to witness the turkey holocaust no. on a one... Okay. But when I was in sixth grade, we did go to the local meatpacking plant for our sixth grade class trip. We went to Yant's Meatpacking Plant. Yant's. Yes. <laughs> Another German name. And we watched a, a cow be slaughtered from, uh, from its entry into the squeeze chute, it being shot, pulled up, uh, slot, uh, throat slit... And then the whole process of that cow run through the entire slaughterhouse. What, what year no was one, this? The, I was in sixth grade, so this would have been in the 70s. Well, how, how did you handle that? We all were laughing and giggling and punching each other and just going through like, ha-ha, yeah, so what? We're out of class today because everyone in that in that class had a farm, except me, actually. We were the only ones who weren't active farmers. You weren't the crying kid, though. <laughs> no one cried. No one batted an eye because everyone had seen an animal be killed. Everyone. Yeah. Because that's, they were all farmers. And you had? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I remember being young and outside of our house in town, we had a root cellar. And a root cellar is two things. It's it's an emergency shelter for tornadoes, mm -hmm. if it needs to be, or they, you'd keep- um, Potatoes your, and beets. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Down there, and they'd keep all year long without any need of, of uh, a heater or a cooler or anything right, else. Right, right. Now, it is on a, a slanted angle, so it's like almost opening up into the ground. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad, someone was over because he, he was going to, a, a guy who was a bulldozer operator was going to do some work for my dad out near his manufacturing plant sure. and they were talking yeah casually and 
someone had been sent to get some potatoes down from the root cellar. So we open the doors, and Dad looks down, and there's a small rabbit there. Mm-hmm. This is going to horrify your listeners, but this is just the way things work. There's a small, there's a baby rabbit there, right? So yeah. my dad, in in mid conversation, casually reaches down, picks up the rabbit, and then twists its head off, right? <laughs> because he's a farmer. <laughs> he grew up a farmer. Now, what would that rabbit be to any farmer? Just a pest. It's a it's a varmint. It's I, going to eat the crops now. Sure. I tell that story to just because in my, that and I here's the thing I intrinsically intrinsically understood what he was doing. It didn't horrify me and make me think, oh, "Daddy, that's a pet." Right. I, I was like, "Huh," because it was as casual as opening a can of <laughs> just a, of corn. There's one. Got to get rid of it. Which <laughs> it was just like here you go. I can twist this thing potatoes. Off. Yeah. Yeah. I the first time or I heard or that, more likely eat a livestock eat uh, 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 crops. But yes, the first time you heard that. Well, no, the first time I was introduced to that, it, it kind of blew my mind because I had a rodent problem uh-huh. in my apartment in New York, and I had a friend, Jim, who was from Montana or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got mice. And he's like, you just got to kill them all. And I'm like, what? but they're mice, and you know, I feel bad. I don't know what kind of trap. He's like, who cares? They're, right. they're pests. They're like cockroaches. <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't make that jump, but it was because he grew up in, in that environment. Right. Where like it's not an there's nothing cute here. No. This is a problem. And you also think about it. This little rabbit was going to die anyway. It for some reason was under this door. Well, that's a rationalization. I don't think your well, father was going to think that anyways. No, no. The thing is, I'm saying for your listeners, if you go through the they'll process right. of that thing, okay. Well, I don't want them to think I'm a horrible beast, but they're going to think whatever they want to. Anyway. I don't think. I think they're going to blame your dad, as you probably do. I don't blame him. No. 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 Wonderful guy. <laughs> yeah. Hard worker. Well, the weird thing about the Germans. Yes. Yeah, outside of whatever happened, you know, between them and my sure, people, sure. which you know, that's a few generations back, right? I'm not going to hold you responsible for any <laughs> well, of that. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. I'm actually, Are we going to get into that? We can. I, I, well, I'm not. I'm actually not even a German. I'm well, not even a Kekka. Here we go with the denial, right? Well, You're like, one of the good Germans. I I'm get not, it. I'm we'll not get... German at all. My, okay. my grandfather was adopted. Oh. So, and his last name would have been Williams. What does that even mean? So that's it's... either British or Irish. Okay. And so if you, you look at my translucent skin, you yeah. can see that I'm 100% Irish. Well, I'm sort of fascinated with the Germans in general in the in, in the Southwest and in the Midwest. There's so much uh, the documented history that I don't know and speculate about. But there's a lot of Scandinavians and Germans were really the people that farmed the entire yeah. region uh, of the Midwest, Southwest, and, and Upper Midwest. True. Because from what I understand, and I'll just educate you a little bit. Please. Uh, there was a, a period in, in American history where you know the landowners realized they had all this property. It was almost unfarmable because mm-hmm. it was so shitty that they put out a general casting call around the world to people that come from hard climates and knew how to farm. They'd give them a deal and give them a chunk of land if they could figure out how to plant seeds in this shit. And that's why you have Scandinavians all up in the Midwest. Yeah, And I would like to uh, reference Ian Frazier's Great Plains for that. If you'd like to read all about that, a very condensed version of uh, of American agricultural history and the history of the American Indian. You should, yes, Dave Keckman. You should put an uh, Amazon icon right on your website with that. So if they actually, if they go to your website, then buy it, then you get a tiny taste. That is actually a very good idea, and I don't know why I haven't thought of that. You're, you're saying that create a WTF book club where uh, I can or, make a little... Or little... make it, if they come to your website and look at recommended reading... Mm-hmm via yeah, yeah, you right then you get a little taste holy shit and why shouldn't you because you're you become then the bookseller that's right and you can do that with amazon that's a yes. good idea we'll make note of that right. you know what i don't have to it's recorded there all right <laughs> so did you go to so you have all these brothers and sisters yes. you get along with them 
Yeah. And your mother, you have millions of aunts and uncles yes. and, and cousins. I can't even imagine how many cousins you have. Uh, my father's side, 36, and so my mother's side, 47. Yeah. Did you do this before you got here? You said, I know this is going to come up. I, no, no. Have... It's, I know that as a matter of course because of Could our- Could you name them all? Seriously. I got, no, no. Okay. Uh, boy, if I saw the faces, I'd be like, which mm. one of you? I, mm. At one point, I could have named all of them. Um, but there's a uh, maybe not the older ones because there was like that. My mother was the youngest of eleven, so there were some some of her um, nieces and nephews that were nearly her age. Oh, okay, okay. And so beyond that, I know that number because when my wife and I got married, in my mm-hmm. family, you have to invite all the first cousins. Sure, sure. Not only the aunts and uncles, but the first cousins right. get invited as well. Right. So I remember that number. It was a, a large list. Now, were you were you brought up with the Jesus in a big way? Oh, oh yeah. Well, they were very Catholic. Yeah. And very you, Catholic. Did you hold on to the Jesus? I did until about sophomore in college, and then I remember really, really needing answers because mm-hmm. I was from a small town. I you know moved then I moved away, and, and so you're trying to figure yourself out. Who am I? And I remember going. So to, you're you're in college, and you're like, "There's a hell." I might be going. Yeah, you're uh, certainly no. I mean, certainly, the Catholic religion faith is based on shame and guilt uh, and fear, and so you've got a healthy dose of that, and you're trying to intrinsically reject that anyway and intellectualize it all. And then I had to go to a Catholic college. I had to by parental decrees. Like yeah. either you go to a community college, or right. if you want to go to school, school, <laughs> you go to this one Catholic college so for they at said least two years. Either you 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 cut your possibilities for a future yes. almost entirely, or you go to a Catholic college. <laughs> or you can work yeah. for dad yeah. at, right. the, at the plant. <laughs> go to community college, work for dad, or go to a Catholic college and roll the dice. Yes. Mm. Well, the service is always an option, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there- Was the, that an option? Did of you think of that? I did at one point. Uh, yeah. Why? Because you were. were you, gotta go. Were you fucked up? No, no. Just because you got to get out. Nice. I got to see the world. I've oh, got right, right. to see something else than this. Than this. Yeah. And so uh, I remember sitting in the, in the afternoon in a church and wanting answers. I'm almost like begging, like somebody speak to me. What's going on? And I remember <laughs> when I didn't hear anything, getting up and leaving, going, "Okay, so we're good." <laughs> Because I was asking pretty hard, and I didn't get anything. Then the next year, I went to the University of Missouri and took a philosophy course and read Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian. Right. And I thought, well, what? This makes sense. Yeah, sure. For Logic. the first this all makes sense. Yeah. All war? Yeah. All, all these bad things? Yes, Bertrand, yeah. the, the, the Christians. Finally, some yes. answers. Yes. Now, since then- You've um, gotten old and beat up, and you're starting well, to actually, drift back to- Well, a, not necessarily- well, Certainly spirituality and the universality of whatever it is that we're all participating in. Yeah, the this, charade. This energy. Yeah, I'm this, not even talking about I certainly. This ridiculous game with no meaning. Is that the one thing you're talking about? Well, an, uh, a meaning to be named later when we get to the next whatever level of this video game that we're playing. So you're optimistic. That's good. Well, I, I are, don't Are you even sure know you're going to be included in the next level? <laughs> well, we know that. Yeah, you have to be because okay. by the mere fact of our mm. whatever we call consciousness right now. Ooh has to, in some way, lend an idea that we have another evolutionary model that we're going to go to spiritually or consciously or whatever. I, I, I like the way that sounds, but I'm afraid that if you were to really try to explain it to me, we'd be here a long time. and it That's would get... okay. All right. What do you mean? Who are you competing with? There's only one person. It's yourself. There's only one person. Well, if that's the case, I'm losing. Well, but you don't have to. Okay. You we The hardest thing is to make that choice every second that always be on the whatever upside the positive side the winning side of whatever it is you want to do and that's the only thing we have to acknowledge no rather matter. than focusing on why something won't work we only 
give it the energy of this is absolutely definitely going to but this these sound like uh platitudes and affirmations no no, no, no. yeah platitudes affirmations but a disposition that was um that was hammered on the anvil of disappointment exactly (laughs) that is so well put narcissism Mm -hmm. that you know whatever is in my perception and whatever i perceive as being part of my mental makeup Mm -hmm. whatever's coming at me yes is by virtue of coming at me the only way I absorb it is make it a part of me. I'm the absorber. I would say that is a, actually a very healthy choice to make. And I've been listening to some Deepak Chopra. And he said, I thought something was quite, of course, everybody which wants to twist the, the whole basic notion down to one thing. He calls it, the, you don't live in the world, the world lives in you. And that's just the statement you kind of made. So That's I like right. That. The world lives in me. Yes. And that means that someone's got to run it. Exactly. Yes. So and I've, the, now, the, now whether or not the world that is living in me, it has any uh, bearing or, or, or relationship to the world externally, to the actual world? Right. Who could say? Like, does Pete Holmes know that I own him? No, he doesn't. <laughs> but in my world, Pete Holmes is working for me. That's Not only perfect. that, yeah. That's, and you know what? Everyone should be working for you. Everyone is working for me. That's perfect. It's amazing. It's a big responsibility to be king. And a lot of times... <laughs> but are you a noble king? Are you a good king? Are you a, ju- a just king? I'm, I'm all those things unless I'm irritable. And then it's like I'm a cranky king. Some, some shit goes down. Right. And then, and then I'm a contrite king. But then why did it go down? If you're the king, you're in charge of uh, being uh, irritable. Hey, hey, I'm not perfect. Ask Jesus. All right? I'm not perfect. Everyone's flawed, dude. Who also works for you. Of course he does. He yeah. works for everybody, from what I'm told. Apparently, right? That You were talking about codependent. <laughs> yeah, I'll right? say. Oh, boy. Jesus is the king of doormats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, it's such <laughs> he's, a... He's the patron saint of all codependency. Do you know the patron... I died for you. That's heavy, man. You didn't have to do that, yo. I mean, really, seriously. You could have just went on, built some things. That's the end of every argument you ever have with Jesus. Do you know what I did for you? <laughs> Do you? Let me show you. That is the end of the argument. That's, right. That yeah. is what Catholicism is oh, based on. Absolutely. Do you know what I did for you? Yeah. You, 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 uh, ungrateful, I, ungrateful, you sinner, sinner. Yeah. Yep. Sinner. God, we cracked or, the nut. Original sin. Let's That's, talk about this. Uh, uh, you hammering your uh, effort, your affirmative disposition yes. on the anvil of disappointment, my right. friend. So a young Dave Keckner, mm-hmm. uh, done with turkey coops, yes. not not looking for a future in turkey transportation vehicles. Right. Says I'm going to get out of here. You go to college. You t- you read Bertrand Russell, and your mind is blown. Right. Uh, you're what did you major in? Uh, political science. Oh, and, and and did you go to class? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I went to class until my junior year when I realized uh, I had no real shot of, of, of having a political life because at that point I was taking the administrative classes and started to understand, oh, I see. You're either very wealthy, so you can get into any game you want, mm-hmm. or you are, have a family business that is politics, or you're the brightest person in any room you walk into. And that supersedes anything uh, whether it's poverty or so, you or check wealth. no on all of those. Yes. Okay. So. I'm, 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 you know, I'm smart enough for some things. You could have I'm, been a candidate. Uh, yeah. In a, in a way, you. Could, but then you're compromising everything. And uh, believe me, when I started down that path to political science, I really had a. Uh, 
a sense of I could make a difference and I wanted to help the world. And, then, and sure, that inevitably leads to show business where you compromise everything, but you don't think you are. <laughs> exactly. You still think you're doing it on your own terms. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're Mark Marin, you are. Well, that you know, dude, that, that was born out of desperation, my friend. It's a, it's a pure stroke of luck and timing on that one. Don't you know? Don't give me too much credit for you know being you know just you know two steps, two clicks away from suicide, and I decided to jump which on a is, mic and a, which is ultimately uh, certainly putting destiny in your own hands. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm so, just I'm fortunate it worked out this way, or I, I or else I'd be some you know someplace crying, wondering why I couldn't get a job at a restaurant. And then if you did succumb to yeah. that thing, you your final thoughts and I thought hopefully words would be, do you see what I did for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see if that works. Like obviously <laughs> this being alive thing's not working out. Perhaps uh, if I play this suicide thing right, you'll be a deity. Yeah, I'll be a deity. Duh. Nah. Uh, and your your either biography, unauthorized or autobiography, should be hammered on an anvil of discontent. That is a beautiful. I said disappointment, but discontent. Disappoint. Okay, all right, you're right. Disappointment. In searching, I then decided to leave the uh, quest for political science, and I went and visited a friend in Chicago. Yeah, and I saw the Second City. And then I saw a poster that said they taught classes, and then a light went off. That oh, that's how people do that. Right. So then I moved to Chicago and started taking classes. So you <clears> didn't, <throat> you're telling me that in college when you were searching, and I was talking about later in life. Sure, I, sure. I don't know that you. You're going to tell me that you always had this positive chipper disposition no. all the way through. No, no, no. Right. So I. So in college, you did not have. You didn't wake up sweating and have a floating vision of Del Close in in, in your didn't know in your who that dorm was. room. Didn't know that, no, who's, who's no. a large bearded man that's asking me to keep going forward? Yeah, I didn't know who that was. I knew that I knew that the the people on Saturday Night Live had come from Second City, right? But I didn't know how. But someone it, begins on that path. But at that time, when you left college, did, were you uh, looking at Saturday Night Live and saying, "I like that," and I'm going to do that? Or I was just... watching. I I still couldn't. I couldn't. I, I was too afraid to admit to myself that's a path I'd love to go down. Right. Because uh, I didn't know what that. I, I didn't know anybody who was an actor. Yeah. I didn't know anyone who had done that. Even in college, I never hung out with any theater people, and that wasn't for any arrogance or, or, or you know dislike of that i just didn't gravitate toward that were you a football player i in high school and not a very good one uh i was uh, very small in 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 high school I, really yeah yeah when i started high school i was five foot uh, tall 99 pounds so you didn't start growing till snl or <laughs> till just now actually <laughs> it's uh, happening <laughs> look at my hands no i was still growing when i got to college mm -hmm. i was not uh, done growing i was uh i think 17 when i first got to college and then turned 18 so uh but anyway uh, Chicago. Not, not, a, not a real athlete. Yes, Chicago. And then I was like, okay, this is it. I get it. This is what I want to do. And it's hard because when you're from a small town, there's not a culture that says you can do anything we want you to succeed. No, if anything, <laughs> it is, hey, don't you get too big for your britches. Don't, don't leave because we need you here. Well, we don't. If you leave, then in that, in a way that shows me being less successful just by virtue of staying yeah and you might or, take a few people with you well or whatever yeah and that just means i failed it's like no it doesn't interesting misery loves company yes. i think would be the adage absolutely that and, we could attach to that in missouri mm -hmm. yeah so you get to chicago you go see yep. second city go see second city go uh, go see the the uh what you would call it the poster and then i go back to columbia missouri where i'm living and decide i'm going to move to chicago and then if you want to hear a story <clears throat> i get arrested I now dropped out of college. I'm going to save my money and move to you Chicago. You dropped out? Oh, yeah. I quit going to all my classes because I realized, all right, poli isn't for me. I'm not going to waste my time doing this. I know I'm going to go do something else. So you didn't look at other departments in the school? You're just, no. no. 
I know. Not a good plan. <laughs> Poli sci is not working yeah, out. Well, I'm my, leaving college. My mother had gone to college a little bit, and my, my uh, aunts and uncles on my mother's side had all gone, but I didn't have anybody counseling me, like saying, hey, you really need to stick to this or that. Here's how you decide what you want in life. None of that. Uh, it's all unknown territory. So I'm figuring it out. Uh, go back. My roommate was growing pot downstairs because we, we were living in this uh, house. And we had both the first floor and the downstairs. He was growing some pot downstairs and not to, not well. He'd been growing them for months and they were just still little things. And that was before like the big buds, right? Like it was just Correct. a pot plant. So it was like 70s yeah. pot. Yeah. He was just it trying was, to grow it for his own use. It wasn't hybrid, yeah. stinky yeah. weed. No, no. It was, it was and like, plus he didn't have a good grow light. He just had right. a fluorescent light. Didn't know what he's doing. Some guy had come by. But you're my age. So this was literally that shitty pot. It, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It was way before... Yeah, you know, yeah. Like things that smell like skunk. Right. right. Yeah. And right, I really yeah. wasn't smoking pot. Sure. I, every once in a while. You're not a politician. You can own this shit here. No, that's fine. Uh, right. it's, it gets worse for me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so then some guy had come by uh, to uh, whatever, spray the house. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, bug guy. Thank you. Bug yeah. guy. A former cop. So oh. then he comes and I come home. Do-gooder. Yes. I come home from work one day. I was working at a restaurant. There are uh, state police local police and sheriffs all at our house and they're going to arrest my roommate for manufacture of marijuana mm. right they all they need me to do is say i didn't have anything to do with it i write okay yeah uh, you know poor larry they say can we we want to look at the rest of the house So without like, even thinking you, you threw the guy under the bus no 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 oh. he'd already confessed to it he said these are his i had nothing to do with it, which was true i didn't have anything to do with all it. right so you weren't so then rat. they said we want to look at the rest of the house i'm like great just get the fuck out of here now, this is late August. That May, I had been at a party where there was some cocaine, and someone had had a bullet, one of those bullets. Sure, I remember this. Uh, you kind of twist a little thing on yes, the side, and you do a little yes. bump. Mm -hmm. And they had given that to me or whatever, and I'd had it. I'd thrown it into a desk drawer, completely forgot about it, right? And apparently, there was just, just enough. There was nothing in it but just dust, like residue around the glass. They find that in the desk, and I'm like, what? I didn't even to show how much a little i used so you said fucking larry right <laughs> right they said what's this i said i don't know oh larry put so that they in. take it in and have it analyzed and i get arrested i don't know two months later mm. on that for felony possession of cocaine that's missouri right yeah because here's the thing if i'd had a good lawyer could say we we want our own independent test they'd say well they can't be one there wasn't enough there to even do it right so that delayed my departure for chicago for a year so i had to sit in a year yeah yeah because i had to sit and do probation i had to pay off a lawyer i had to uh, uh you had a parole officer oh yeah oh, so probation officer ridiculous and probation officer and what you had to do community service how'd you nope just i had to check in every once in a while really ridiculous and did you uh you went before a judge yes and how'd that go uh i got five years probation that's fucking ridiculous isn't it isn't that the fucking craziest thing ever yeah and I, you know what that judge probably poli sci major probably poli sci major and apparently uh whatever i'm not going to tell him that. i don't even remember the lawyer's name nice guy but uh i'd heard stories that all these guys had partied together it's like oh come on they all we... do it's all that's the thing about yeah. politics it's like on any level in any business it's just a a network of people that do each other favors yeah that's all of, of it. course Absolutely. You know? i agree i agree and especially at the very top echelon and that's why there's really not a dime's worth of difference between the two parties that are changing money in the temple no, it's just no. all about placating people who think they're still middle class right. into buying into the bullshit that maintains the status quo manufacturing consent right let's call chomsky
can we? Do you have yeah. his number? That'd be hilarious <laughs> right if you did. I do, Wouldn't actually. That, do it'd you? Be, no, no, no. It'd be interesting. Oh, it'd be, it would be mind-blowing if you did. It's like, it's, I was just talking to Noam Chomsky yesterday. Like, I, I still imagine? keep political science as a hobby. Can you imagine if you had Chomsky in your... Your, I'm sure I could context. get hold of him. That's pretty awesome. I guess so. If you really want to just, you know, get really long-winded messages. <laughs> I just had a few thoughts, Mark. I thought I'd leave them on your phone. <laughs> I know you. I'd like to come back on your podcast and discuss. Inbox full. Oh. Inbox full. <laughs> Fucking uh, Chomsky. Two messages. Two messages. And then it's all. all fold up. Yeah. Uh, I, that's Maybe that's my next. That's a good name for something. Fucking Chomsky. Very good name. All right, so, so so then that that delayed my departure from Chicago. Then I went and moved to Chicago. Did you reflect? Oh, what were you doing during that year? Did you you didn't oh, go worked, back to school? You worked at no, no. I worked at a restaurant and uh, took like a management position or something to make more money to save to go uh, and move to Chicago. All right, so you load up your wagon, uh, Ford Escort, nice, with all of my possessions. Uh, I stay at a YMCA. Posters? Any posters? Uh, I'll, let's think. What CDs were in? Or what cassettes were you playing in the car? To make a mixtape. Uh, someone had made me a mixtape. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure. Let's see. Uh, there would have been some REM, mm-hmm. some U2, yeah, some ACDC. Good mixing it up. Yeah, highbrow, lowbrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the pulse, but I'm still got a rock dick. Oh, the replacements, huge and oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So any uh, uh, all of that, uh, you know, okay. from that era. So you're going, you're drinking on the way, smoking some reefer. What are you doing? Not smoking reefer, but drinking quite a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, always drinking. Well on your way. Oh uh, yeah, and then in Chicago, that was the uh, amazing time. Yeah, an amazing for time. drinking. Well, for drinking and for for you know studying and and being with an amazing group of people, that explosion you of self. Truly, yeah, it really was. Mm. I mean, once once I started doing, it, I was like, yes, this is exactly what I should be doing. So, what were you doing? I was studying improvisation at Second City. At, well, before Second City and also the Improv Olympic, right? That's IO as it's called now, and that's where I started studying with Dell. And met up with a bunch of great people. You were actually did classes with Dell. Yeah, yeah, for three years. Like, like I've talked to maybe one or two people about Dell. Now, mm-hmm. like Dell Close is known as the the guru, the, yeah. the grand uh, wizard mm-hmm. of uh, of Chicago improv. Right, right, right. What was your impression of him? Well, you're you were aware of his reputation, and he he didn't suffer fools, and he was very short with anybody. He had very little patience for shit. And so it was like either get on board or get the fuck out. Basically, what did that mean what, to be on board? What was the well, lesson one? Do it well. Right. Respond honestly and truthfully in the moment to what the fuck is happening on stage. You don't need to make anything up. Just be there. And this and, was herald structure? Well, yeah. Right. Long form. But this is before it has become what it is now. It's right. more pure long form. Then they still had games in it. But, you know, well aware that Dell had instructed, you know, uh, Belushi and Murray and all the and had come up with a concept for uh, SCTV's uh, television show. Like, why don't you set it in a this independent TV studio? And right. these are all the shows like that was Dell's idea. Um, and Dell would talk about stuff like be an archetype on stage, like let that be your guide. Like as, Commedia dell'arte. Well, more like you are fire or you are ice and let that be the thing that gives you voice in the scene. And you're like, holy fuck. And he's reading, he's, you know, he's telling you to read Joseph Campbell, uh, read, you know, anything about the gods and use that to inform your work. How did that inform your work? Well, you'd read it and go, what the fuck am I reading? I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. So basically for me, what Del Close was, you better try your best. This shit is really, really important. It's not about fucking off and making a dick joke. It's about really trying to mine for truth. That's what I got from it. In the I was moment. just 
In what? In, in the, the moment. moment. And in yourself. That's the best you could be. Yeah. Which nowadays is known as the Temple of Marin. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> finally. So, so finally, we finally get back have a to temple. Uh, and as Lieutenant Behold. But, but, but uh, wait, but what did that mean? Like, when you say fire and ice, yeah, mm -hmm. that seemed to be specific. Right. Uh, uh, so, for instance, yeah. if you're on stage mm -hmm. and you're doing an improv improvised scene, mm -hmm. you're, you're supposed to come clean to it. Not Don't have any idea. But if you decide to inform your person with the idea of either fire or ice, that's going to affect how you speak to a person. So if I say I'm ice and you and I have a conversation, it's going to be whatever ice means to me. For mm. instance, I could be cold. I could be blustery. Mm. I could be uh, sleety. Any any adverb or adjective that I could use to inform my neck, my response or, or whatever I say to you. Sure. <clears throat> and the, through those exercises, what do you think you found? Back then? Or just now. I mean, how did it? Because, like, you know, there there are certain people that have uh, a defined comedic presence. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is natural. Uh, but but I have to assume that, like, with you, you come from the sort of, you know, gregarious, blustery, kind of like, you know, kind of steamroller guy. Right. And But were you like that before you uh, entered? Uh... I would say, yeah. Well, my yeah, my father's side of the family, that's, I would say, that's very typical of all of their behavior. Um, but was were you funny? Oh, yeah, I was always funny. Okay. Uh, back in, yeah, yeah, I was, I was the class clown. Right, so yeah. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what, you know, what did you come away with three years of work with Del Close? I mean, what were the skills that you found yourself with? I think just uh, the, the skill for improvisation is listening and responding and heightening. So whatever you say, that other person, for instance, in, in, in improvisation, you yes and it, right? Yeah, yeah. So no matter what is said, your response is some way to further that last thing that was said. Okay, let's do one. Like, okay, or, I have a little bit of a headache. I have the worst headache. And do you think we have the same headache? I don't know, but I think mine's just a little bit bigger. Not mine would take one, uh, whatever the largest pill you could think of taking, even if you had to saute it in a pan of, of oil, I might need that. Now, that's one way of doing it. I right? think I'm thinking about cutting my head off. You know what? Mm. I have a very sharp knife right here in this drawer. <laughs> so that's one way of doing it. So we're both agreeing it. The other thing is mm. you've got a headache, and so my job would be to ensure that you still get a larger one. Mm -hmm. So you have a headache. Okay, I have a headache. I'm about done with tuba practice. Just hold on. <laughs> I don't you think were, it's, You were wait. well aware that between two and three, I practice tuba. I don't think, it's a, I don't think the tuba is what's causing it. You're absolutely right. It's probably the vice that you have around your head. Now, that's desperation. But, <laughs> but it's yes-anding whatever it is. Right. And then I could say, like, you don't think it's me hitting my head like this? I hadn't thought of that until just now. <laughs> right. Okay. And so now that we've, you know, if we've gotten that far, then someone should edit that scene, right? Because right. we can't get any further. We can't? Well, we could, but we're not on our feet right now. And so verbally, we can make one up. But we've, that's, we heightened Couldn't pretty Couldn't you quickly. just say, oh, no, it's spread to my hand. Or, or I could also say, either it's you punching your, you in the head, or maybe I should stop doing it, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So, I get it. Okay. That was a good lesson. Right. It's all just simple. Now, here's the, here's the irony. That's counterintuitive to acting. Mm -hmm. Because in any scene, an acting scene, you're supposed to actually be di uh, uh, opposed to one another in one way your wants would cause a dramatic relationship to ensue mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily agreement so agreement works best in improvisation but it doesn't necessarily work best in drama conflict is drama exactly okay and you can't do conflict in improvisation you can but a lot of times it doesn't no you both agree to argue 
we can both agree as long as both people agree to keep doing what they were doing okay if you say i think we should go east and i go ah east yeah i was thinking west now a teacher might go you didn't agree with him well in a way i did because now we've got something to do and the audience is drawn into that relationship right because right? now these both these people want two different ones so now there's an either gonna that scene's gonna be about negotiation or dominance mm -hmm. or confusion mm -hmm. do so you, do you teach i sometimes do i could feel that <laughs> no it's good i i learned a little bit i you know i've asked for improv lessons on this show before and I, now i feel like i really got one well i would say this what i tell people it truly is as simple as a conversation because if you if we all commit to having a simple conversation it means a i'm just going to listen mm -hmm. and respond honestly mm -hmm. that's improvising right now what happens once you get on stage and this is something dell used to say you get i forget what it was 10 percent or 20 percent dumber Right. Because now all of a sudden there's an agenda. But really there isn't. You're just still having a conversation on stage. And if you're naturally funny anyway and you're listening and you're heightening what the last person said, it's delightful. Right. Because there's no real work. Right. It, you don't have to do anything. I get And the that. minute someone tries to be funny, it usually breaks. And there's a lot of that going around. It's most often. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't people fucking you know, honor Del Close anymore? Right? There's a new church. Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> the new church of like, look uh, at me. Of Marin. Oh, no. So- what happens in Chicago? You go through the thing. Did you do the touring company and all that shit? I did eventually. I, I did uh, the Improv Olympic for a number of years, and then yeah. I tried to get hired by Second City three times, and they never hired me. And I, I have a, uh, a theory as to why the, the, the woman that ran the Improv Olympic used to put names on a list for the head of Second City. Like, here's the people you should hire. So I have a suspicion that she'd see whatever names that... The other person had checked and go, okay, those people are definitely not going to get hired. Right. So it took a while. And then they eventually hired me. And then I got into the touring company and then to a resident company. And then from there to Saturday Night Live. Well, what was that process, the Saturday Night Live process? Uh, they had come to town. I had auditioned for Mad TV. And uh, uh, Thomas, the casting director, had shown my tape to Lorne. Right. And Lorne really liked what I'd done, and they actually put me on a small holding deal right. that they never paid me for because that was going to happen. I was going to be on a holding deal if I didn't get hired by Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So I kind of knew I was going to get hired. So I'd done the, the, we were in the resident company. I went to, they fly to New York. You do your audition. Then you wait. Then you have your second audition, and then you wait, and then they fly you out the third time to say, congratulations, you're hired. You didn't have to go in the, the <clears throat> meet with Lorne? Oh, yeah. That's the final one. Yeah, and how'd that go for you? Uh, it was very odd mm. because you don't really know you just got hired. For, at least that's what my experience was. You had a good experience with Lauren? Yeah, he was fine. He he didn't uh, let me go. It was West Coast that decided I was no longer necessary. You, so you had a good time that first year? Oh, yeah. West Coast? What do you mean West Coast? Well, it was the first year that Saturday Night Live had had competition late night. With Mad TV? Mad TV and then Howard Stern's show. Right. So the numbers had dropped. And it was an entirely new cast except for Norm MacDonald stayed on, David Spade, and Tim Meadows. So that was the year. That right. Audition, and this yeah. was, there was the, the year after it, it had gone dramatically bad for Saturday Night Live. That's the, the New York uh, Times or New Yorker article or what was it? The New York Magazine article uh -huh. called Saturday Night Dead. Mm. And uh, so they... They jettisoned most of the cast, and the ratings had kind of gone down. So we were not getting normal ratings. And I really thought, shit, this is going to be the last year for this show. Yeah. Um, so anyway, West Coast was able to have more say in what Norm, uh, Lorne was doing. Really? Yeah. So they Lorne wanted to keep me, 
but uh, the West Coast thought, I don't like that guy. Apparently, Don Olmeyer didn't like the fops. I don't know if you remember those guys. Myself and Mark McKinney did these white-haired wig guys. They were, they were courtesans, basically. The guys right. went, those guys, yeah. which were almost a hit, but then they weren't. So they're like, ah, I don't know what those guys are, and they seem uh, you know, somewhat uh, fey or twee, whatever. You do, uh, you do infuse your characters at times with a peculiar sexuality. Well, why wouldn't you? No, I, I look. I, I mean, I, I, well, we're all sexual humans, but that's interesting. I think it's very interesting to put a question mark in there of like, what is this or that? Is this person? Yeah, because or... what did I see you do recently at uh, John Glazer's premiere? What's mm. that character? That is Roy, who is actually gay. No, Big but then, Roy. but also like, I think the naked trucker guy. He Gerald. seems to be some sort of weird <laughs> kind of like you know Hunter S. Thompson <laughs> trucker. I'll fuck anything, anything goes kind of guy. That is about as big a compliment as I could ever get. A Hunter S. Thompson character. That's fantastic. And yes, Gerald would just as easily uh, give someone a hand job for fifteen dollars. Yeah, as he would, you know, uh, lift. Uh, box full of Snickers from a Seven Eleven. Sure. So yeah, anything goes. Yeah, yeah. There's no moral compass. Right. It's all just part of business. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, uh, but but after Saturday Night Live, I mean, were you crushed? Were you? Yes. Frightened? I was completely crushed. I was devastated. I couldn't believe it. But were the you married is, at that time? No, no. Uh, I had I had thought in my head. I thought I'm only going to stay here three years and then I'm going to leave because I don't want to stay too long. You had a career plan, right? Mm. And I believe that you know, as they say, the universe hears you and they just. Sped it up. Right. But I was very fortunate because uh, here's what Lauren told me. He said, Dave, you're an artist. Don't lose that. Mm. So I believed him. And Isn't then, it amazing how we believe certain yeah, people that certain have people, power, yeah, yeah. you know, the Buddhas yeah. of the world. But I, I but he is also true. I, I believed, I still do, that I'm an artist, and I'm sure you do too, and that uh, that I'm an artist. Uh, I always say that. Right. I usually open most of my interviews like I cut it out, but I just want you to know, like generally, my opening line to anyone who comes in here is that Dave Kackner. He's an artist. Uh, isn't he? <laughs> I love your opening music, by the way. Who is that? John Montagna. Okay. M O N T A G N A. John. Is, is that called bass player the, from Brooklyn? Is that called the Mark Marin theme? WTF? Yeah, all right, that's pretty cool. Let's get back to the you, your life coming off the uh, the rails. Right, it you. was. I was devastated. I couldn't believe it. It's a long waiting process because I saw it in the paper first that I might not be my contract might not be renewed, and then I had to wait officially until the end of summer, like August seventeenth, is when I officially found out, nope, you're not coming back. Mm -hmm. So then I decided, well, I have to move to Los Angeles. Uh, that's where it's all going to happen. I was actually on a backpacking trip with my buddy, James Grace. We were backpacking through the uh, uh, great Northwest, and uh, someone called who was managing me at the time and said, you need to get here now. And so I came to town and had some auditions and all that. I was very fortunate. I got some holding deals and got work right away. Mm -hmm. So it, it did work out, you know, like, like that. So thing. there was no prolonged drinking and like, you know. Oh, no, that was going on the entire time. Oh, right. Oh, that was a steady drumbeat. That was... <laughs> I did, was it that a, was my muse yeah. I mean, from the time I hit Chicago through and I often look back and go wow had I put as much energy into focusing on writing uh, and creating something tangible uh, I would have been miles ahead now but, did you find yourself drinking because of your idols or you were just uh, no, wired no, that way I was wired that way and you seem very clear now well my wife and I are taking a year off drinking yeah each other yeah no, both of us, but just we have five children, so you, it can't hurt. And uh, so you, you decided know, just, to do some parenting. Yes, that's very nice an experiment. Generous, yeah, yeah. Just because you know, give the liver a break and uh, give the kids a break from the screaming. Uh, 
but no, it just you know you dedicate uh, to something, and you certainly can, oh, it can only help your life, uh-huh. right? If you're completely sober, and uh, I'd say it is. I've lost weight, and and certainly more more clear now. Okay, so after, uh, but after SNL, I mean, it seems that's when your career really took off in terms of the bit parts and this and right. that. Right, right. I was very fortunate in that I was able to get steady work. And you were in with that crew. Did you were you friends with Will Ferrell and Carell and all those guys? Will and I, Will and I had had met that first year on SNL, and we had then become friends, and so that certainly helped. And Carell, Steve and I uh, knew each other from Second City. His wife and I were hired to Saturday Night Live together, and she and I were in a company at Second City together. So I'd known those guys for a long time. Mm. Uh, But a lot of people don't realize. A lot of times, it's not up to the actor to hire another actor. No. Because producers do that. I was very fortunate that I auditioned for, say, like Anchorman and got the job because those guys couldn't. In fact, Adam and Will had told me, like, they didn't want to say, we think it should be this guy because they knew that sometimes when people say, we think this guy, for whatever reason, arbitrarily, they'll automatically choose someone else. Right. Power, who knows right. why, right? Politics. Suggestion, politics, yeah. whatever. So I was just fortunate in that I think I understood what adam and will were the tone of what they were doing and uh, you know understand what they were doing comedically yeah it seems like there's a, definitely a school of comedy that that you're part of and that seems to be right. it i mean you were in you know talladega nights you're in uh you know the uh but you know thank you for smoking was a little different yeah that yeah. was like when i saw you in that i'm like he's like and he's this is, he's almost a real guy here <laughs> <laughs> were you almost a real guy there? i was nearly very nearly a real person <laughs> uh you know what i'm saying yeah i do exactly well it was it was not a caricature right it was not it was a it was a, a you know nearly dramatic part right yeah it took a little bit of acting rather than just, sketchy if right you will. and i think that same with the office that guy can be real oh yeah i think so <laughs> he's a disturbing guy yeah yeah very disturbing he's you know he's, he's got a very dark loneliness to him right yeah and what did you think of uh you know in terms of the the survival of um the naked trucker show i mean that to me that was like a long shot right oh. Yeah. I mean, it was such a, it, it was so peculiar and so specific and right. like the live shows were great. Amazing. But I mean, did you really think, uh, do you think you were going to get a good run on Comedy Central? I did. I did. Um, I was not sure at first because that's not how we wanted to do the show. If you remember VH1's uh, Storytellers, yeah, you'd see this these musicians in a small venue mm-hmm. and there'd be a crowd down front and they'd have these jibs, these cameras going from the back, right? Because you'd see more intimate, right? Right, right, right. I felt that's what we should do and dissolve to these stories. But Comedy Central had this model of Chappelle and Mencia where it's the host throw to sketches right which was counterintuitive to what we do on the stage show right. or did in the stage show but i thought well they're the network they must know right uh and like that i'm not blaming them because that's all they knew they couldn't wrap their heads around something else and i don't think we were effective in articulating no it really should go this way and so that's the way it went i think that's what hurt us mostly was but there was not an awareness of who we were we weren't the smothers brothers we we're like oh them they have their own show uh, now it's the naked trucker and t-bones and america's going who are they yeah and i would say to their fault what well, to their credit they put us on the air but a big mistake was they sold the show as blue collar comedy right and which killed it because it wasn't blue collar well comedy. yeah what were those guys going to do with it exactly so we should have had the because you were showing in terms along those lines you were showing exactly what the blue collar comedy people were trying to hide exactly which was that you know their people are just populated with freaks and misfits yes. 
Exactly. <laughs> That'll do Here's anything the underbelly. <laughs> yeah. Have a look. <laughs> yeah. I will splay it open and now cook like, it for you. Yeah, you ever seen like pictures of uh, you know photo uh, documentaries of swingers uh, enclaves? Oh, boy. It's always those naked trucker guys. Sure. They're just people like yep. everyone's just sort of like, yeah, we're just hanging out in our lounge chairs. Someone's yep. fucking my wife right now. <laughs> You know, it's never, it's never. There's a tip jar. I don't know if he'll leave anything. He usually doesn't. (laughs) Exactly. I don't insist on condoms, but it's strongly recommended. She's pretty clean. (laughs) So, uh, kids are out of the house. But yeah, so yeah, they they sold it as roadhouse comedy. So I think people that, people from, you know, the Colbert Nation and the Daily Show already made up their mind i'm not watching that right and then the blue collar fans were thinking what the fuck is this what is this yeah, yeah. so it just didn't work now in terms of it was very funny though it's got great jokes throughout no it's, it, it was it, a it great was, show it's it really, great to see live yeah, and was, i love uh i love gruber uh, i love gruber yeah the best i haven't seen him in a while he moved back to to utah his parents are up there and i think they're he wants to spend time with them yeah wow yeah he's uh, yeah he's uh he's always great yeah and those uh those higgins boys seem to always do well for themselves Right. Steve's now over at uh, Fallon. Mm-hmm. He was the head writer when yep. I was there at Saturday Night Live. And his brother works He was the head writer when I auditioned. He was in the uh, room with me and Lauren. Yes. Very was, awkward. It was the same year. It was the same year. Yeah. Did you have anything to do with me not? I didn't know you yet. Okay. You um, your rust-colored pants had, and I had not I was met. probably wearing those pants. I commit heavy to pants and shoes. You know what I mean? If I'm wearing You were wearing them, Doc wearing Martens them. at the time. I, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Or something similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at I got these going now. These are Red these are Wings, nice. my friend. Red mm-hmm. Wings, American made. These are Lucchese's, American made. No, oh, those are fancy. Yeah. Are, are those nice. the ostrich? Yeah. Yeah, very fancy. Most you, comfortable shoe I've ever worn. Sure, if you're from yeah. Missouri. Oh, you um, try these on. What size are you? No, I, you should I, get yourself. With this power of this podcast, you should get uh You think some, that the Lucchese company is going to throw me some cowboy oh, boots? they should. Oh, God. I haven't worn them in a while. I don't know if I can carry that off. Yes, I don't know you if I can. Pull, you think I can still do that? No, they will look very hipster. Are people still doing Really? Of I, course. We can make cowboy boots happen again? Absolutely. They never go they, away in some but places. These but these aren't pointy. These are a nice... That's a nice but boot. But Lucchese makes cowboy boot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you wear Western wear a lot or... I have gone in and out of it. Um, there are some nice Western shirts. I don't typically wear it these days. Yeah. But these boots are my daily wear. Okay. So are you happy with uh, you? I, I see you as, you know, uh, one of the um, you know hardworking uh, American comedy character actors. Do you, are you happy with the amount of work you're getting? Uh, well, I could. You could always. I, w- I would love a steady, steady job sure. in in town. Did you Did you realize when when you got into show business that that might not happen? <laughs> no, I never considered that. Honestly, I've never once thought. Like some actors think, I'll never work. I, this is my life. I've never once given that thought. I knew once the day I decided I'm going to be an actor, yeah. in my head and in my guts, I knew it was going to work. Uh-huh. And I don't think you can really have any other decision in your body you, uh, once you decide to be in show business. This is that thing we talked about at the beginning. Now, at some point, there must have been darkness. Yes. There must have been doubt. Of course. And, 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 and when there's doubt, guess what happens? What? Work, work dries up. Okay. So you attach it all to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So so the system you put in place for yourself is that in my darker times, I wasn't getting work and it was because I was dark mm-hmm. and because I was drinking too much. And because- No, ironically enough, I had plenty of work when I was drinking, always did. Uh, but there have been times, uh, drinking aside, really that hasn't affected, I don't think, Yeah. It one way or the other. Right. Uh, it might be your, your whatever your disposition. I tell you, it it was a real kick in the balls when the trucker show was not renewed and when it didn't do well on Comedy Central. That was probably the darkest for me. Actually, darker than 
getting let go from Saturday Night Live because here was the thing that we had done so successfully for so many years, and for it to not work at the next level, I was I was really uh, between sixes and sevens. I was like, I don't know what. Yeah. That was that was my best foot forward. The, everything you know. So that now, like you know, you're you were no longer grounded in 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 your belief. <laughs> that everything was going to be all right. I didn't exactly. Well, I didn't focus enough on everything that had been so great in my life. I focused on that didn't work. And my wife's like, okay, that'll do. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> Where's she from? She's from Kansas City, Kansas. So you get some some tough Midwestern stock. She's the best. My wife is maybe the greatest ever. Does she frighten you? Uh, she comforts me and she incur- frightened me. No. Hmm. that's not a good relationship really I think uh, well, I've, I've decided that's the root of the best relationships that if i if you're not frightened if you're not afraid of your uh your significant other then uh then you'll probably try to get away with anything i'd agree with that <laughs> yeah i'd agree with that yeah you just was framing it in a nicer way no i, I well the, to be completely brave yeah i'm afraid of her mm-hmm but then it sounds like then it makes it sound as if she's a person to be feared. No, but I, I will know. say this: she's fierce. Yeah, fierce. and she's she's amazing. She's amazing. You uh, think you'd be lost without her? But probably. I yeah. mean, I, I wouldn't know. You got five kids. We have five. Yeah. How, what's the oldest? Twelve. Uh huh. And youngest you, is fifteen months. Do you like them in general? Or? Oh yeah. Okay. They're a joy. Honestly, they are. And I wouldn't know life. I don't. Here's the other thing: I don't know life without them, mm. and I wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. So. It's there. That's my life. So you're, you've, again, I know you don't like the cosmic stuff. You got a choice. You enjoy it or you don't. Yeah. You better find comfort in it. Right. No, I think that's practical. Right. That's right. not cosmic. That's practical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that, that there's pressure there sometimes, you know, and like like that. I've got a lot of mouths to feed, and yeah. that's that's a practical reality. Right. And sometimes that is daunting. Do you guys? Uh, hit your kids or no no you can't that no? just causes anger and pain mm. good for you yeah i mean i mean were I, you hit oh yeah <laughs> we were both spanked my wife and i were both were spanked belts um maybe i'm sure at some point belts are not what i remember, I remember hands more than belts yeah. and there's this one very long yardstick which was less effective than they thought yeah my dad is a promotional tool he used to give out this four foot uh Measuring stick, can't call it a yardstick. Did it say- uh, A yard plus one. Did it say Keckner? It did, Keckner Manufacturing, and I wish there was still some around. I'd send you one. Mm. Uh, uh, Keckner Manufacturing, turkey coop, because you used to make more than uh, turkey coops, other farm implements as sure. well. <laughs> sure. you like, sure, I'm not interested. No. <laughs> what other kind of farm implements? No, seriously, you bring up implements, I want to know. Farrowing crates. Oh, shit. Gas really barrel stands. Farrowing? Farrowing. Do you know what farrowing is? No, I have no idea. When pigs are, uh, uh, when sows are feeding their piglets, that's called farrowing. Oh. And so they have the, a pen they put them in to when they're supposed to feed the piglets. Mm-hmm. So the mother sow cannot, they will tend to roll over and mm-hmm. smash the piglets. Uh-huh. So this pen keeps her upright so the, the pigs can, can suckle. suckle. And then if she decides to move, they have a place to run so out to. In, Those are farrowing crates. And, and that s- saves the farmer from having to throw away or waste piglets, <laughs> right? Nothing worse than nothing waking worse. up and you're like, oh, Christ. Nothing, nothing worse. throw out a couple of piglets. <laughs> nothing worse than bacon too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just throw those little piglets <laughs> away. No tragedy in it. 
just a waste of livestock. <laughs> uh, going back to the rabbit. Uh, exactly. Broken piglets. <laughs> okay, farrowing some, crates. What yeah, other implements? Gas barrel stands. What's that? You would have, on a farm, you'll have a 500-gallon uh, uh, tank mm-hmm. that you put on a stand six feet in the air so gravity can, and you fill it full of fuel, mm-hmm. and so you don't need a pump. It's the gravity that just fills the tank of whatever implement, you the, the tractor or a So it's a gas truck. can that doesn't need gas a stand pump. Gas in the air, exactly. Okay, and that's okay. So we got farrowing crates. Gas stands, uh, uh, forklifts. He made forklifts? Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, hay baling forks mm. that would lift up hay bales. Oh, God, okay. The the... the the word escapes me now. Oh, man. I'm sure you probably remember what they are. Yeah. Uh, but but needless to say, this is what the yardstick represented. Yes. Those things would be uh, <laughs> referenced on the back of that yardstick. The yard plus one stick, four footer. That wasn't an anyway, effective disciplinary was, Because device. it was too wide and, and, and longer, it was not great for striking a child's behind. Okay. But it could seem daunting. But like, oh, you know what? A shorter stick would be more effective and hurt a hell of a lot worse. But you didn't tell him that. You just acted no, afraid of the one. No, I was going to let the cat out of the bag. That didn't hurt much. But, you know, I understand why. Because that's all they knew, right? Right. It basically is like, I'm very frustrated with you to the point of anger. Mm-hmm. You've refused my request, my stern requests. And now this is the consequence. Right. Now get in line. Right. And they do yell at the same time? <laughs> No, all five no, of you I'm, line up. I'm, no, I'm sure I got it more than anybody. I was a, I was a little shithead. I've seen uh, old Super Eight of me, uh-huh. and I'm not sure I I should be alive. Yeah, it's like you little fucker. Yeah, I want to punch you in the throat. Yeah. Do you have kids like that? Uh, I'm sure. I mean, it takes an immense amount. You've got to re- you fill those lungs with oxygen, right? Yeah. Your own. You're like well, walk away. Yeah. I, I'm a hoverer. I yeah. will go like, all right, now do it. Yeah. And my wife will go, can I talk to you? Yeah. Which I know means get the fuck out of the room, which makes me go, don't you tell me what to do. <laughs> so then I know like, ah, I need to take a walk. Yeah, yeah. So you know, But your kids are generally the young troublemaker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 you know, they all do. But is there one that you're like, that one's going to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go through phases. And here's the thing. If, they, if they're acting up, that means they're not getting something. Right. And I get that. Right. That just the the irony is you you feel like you don't want to give them more attention, but it means they need some. They're not getting an, uh, some need is not being met. Do you ask? Do you say that like with the mild frustration? What do you need, child? Well, that tone alone will make them shut down and get angry, and they'll go nothing. I hate you. Oh God. Okay. Right. So you really the hardest thing is to divest just... yourself of any. You know, of that outward emotion because passive aggressiveness. Oh, yeah, it's just that frustration because then they're like, "Oh, you just wounded me. You're you're supposed to be my safe harbor, and you just gave me a a shitload of, you know, emotional." I'm angst. starting to think that all of your positive spin on things uh-huh. is directly relatable to you being a father. I would hope so. I mean, like, I think that the responsibility of it has made you more diplomatic and optimistic in your life. Well, I, yes, that and being an actor, I think you don't have a choice other than being optimistic. Uh Don't you think so? I don't know. I'm not an actor. In show business, being a person, a show person. That you have to remain optimistic in the face of relentless disappointment. Yes. Sure. Sure. Unless you want to build your character a little more. (laughs) Your character is going to be built for you by merely hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. Saying, I won't quit. We're Winston Churchill. Sure, I don't quit, but that doesn't mean I can't sort of feed a bitter river within me. Well, I, that's gonna—I think that's inevitable. Yeah. But the, that, yeah, it's, that's that's the darkness, right? right. The bitter river, because that just creates—that's yeah. just the yeah. river you're gonna start floating in. Yeah, no, it's bad. Then you let go of the no. rock, and you now you're you're, you're floating. Like, how no do you get boat. back? Yep. Yeah, 
Yeah. So. So we've been in there before. Oh yeah. All right. We're we're, we're out right now. We're good. Oh, we're on the banks. We're good. Of the we're river. walking. We're building bridges. <laughs> Thank God, Dave Keckner. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, that's our show. The wonderful Dave Keckner, sweet guy. Hope you enjoyed that. A couple of things here at the end that I need to uh, to get out to to get into your head. Uh, look, my uh, my buddy over at Earwolf, uh, Jeff who runs Earwolf, He's, uh, he wanted me to tell you that James Adomian, who will be on WTF soon, released his debut album, Low Hanging Fruit. And Earwolf also has the full Comedy Bang Bang Summer Tour Sale. You can get all that over at Earwolf.com, so do that. And also I wanted to thank uh, a, a very special listener in, in a fiscal way. Uh, look, th- this guy, his name's Matthew Pierce. Donated 500 bucks to the show, wanted nothing in return, and I just wanted to to say an on-air thanks. Uh, Thank you, Matthew. That was very sweet. Uh, What else? Oh, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Kick in a few shekels if you want. Pick up the app. Upgrade to the premium app. Go to iTunes WTF uh, Premium for all those uh, episodes uh, that that are there. Get on the mailing list. I write to you every week. I'll do it. I do it. I, I write things down. Next week, some big shows. We got Julie Klausner. We also have Tenacious D. You can, you can tell people if you want. Tenacious D next week. What else? Just coffee. I finished mine. All right. It's oh, Hold on. Maybe a little. Pow. Wasn't quite enough to shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com. I don't know where Boomer is. But I got to, it's, he's been meowing, but I don't know. Hold on. Hold on. Boomy. Boomy. Hey, buddy, come here. The world is waiting. The world is waiting. Come on. All right, fuck it. Hey folks, on a sadder note, a very, very funny writer, funny performer, an amazing wit, and a very unique and intelligent humorist, uh, David Rakoff passed away, and I just wanted to send my condolences out to his fans and his family uh, and and acknowledge this sad day. Uh, It happened a few days ago, but... um, but he was a he was a sweet man and a very funny man, and uh, we lost a a, a real uh, humorist uh, with David Rakoff. So uh, Godspeed. I don't think he would believe in that, but uh, we're gonna miss you. <laughs>